Welcome to the Trinity Western Chapel podcast. As a vibrant part of life at TWU, Chapel creates opportunities for us to engage with God's story of redemption in Jesus Christ through His Word, prayer, and worship. We're glad you're listening and hope that you encounter God's heart for you and the world. Let me begin by introducing you to a small phrase from a letter. The letter was written to religious leaders from a jail cell in Birmingham, Alabama. The author is the great civil rights leader and pastor Martin Luther King Jr. In that letter, he writes these words. In a real sense, all life is interrelated. All men are caught in an inescapable network of mutuality, tied in a single garment of destiny. Whatever affects one directly affects all indirectly. This phrase, an inescapable network of mutuality tied to a single garment of destiny, isn't that what we're experiencing at the moment? In the midst of a global pandemic, what we realize is that no man is an island. No island is entirely safe from what occurs throughout the rest of the world. We're all caught in an inescapable network of mutuality. And the question to ask is, is reality simply self-governed, natural, inescapably brutal? Or is it a single garment held together by a loving and gracious Lord? Put differently, what difference does it make to our present experience of loss to realize that a loving and faithful God holds the shape and meaning of history in the palm of his hand? so that nothing lost is ever forgotten, and every wound and sorrow can be healed and turned to joy. Of all people, Christians have a source of unexpected joy and strength. If only we're willing to seek, hear, and follow the voice of the Good Shepherd. I invite you to join me in prayer. Gracious Father, in this season of loss, loneliness, and darkness, we earnestly pray for the gift, light, and life of Christ. May Christ speak to us today through his word, and may you open our ears to hear the good news of the resurrection. We ask all of this in the blessed name of the crucified and risen Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So allow me to set the scene by reading one verse from John 20, verse 19. John writes, When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them. In a moment, we'll turn to Luke's Gospel, chapter 24. And there we'll pick up the story movingly captured by John. But it's helpful to know that chapter 23 of Luke's Gospel focuses upon the crucifixion, and chapter 24 
on the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. The resurrection is such an extraordinary event that the church devotes more than one day a year to unpack its significance. In fact, every year, the Christian church sets aside 50 days to celebrate the dramatic event of the resurrection in order that our imagination, patterns of thought and action can be formed by the reality and gift of this new life. In the brief time that I have with you today, I've organized our reflection around three words, peace, purpose, and power. So point one, peace. Just a few days before the events documented in chapter 24 took place, the disciples were with Jesus. Just days earlier, Jesus traveled from the Mount of Olives to the city of Jerusalem with crowds of disciples proclaiming these words, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. They were experiencing profound joy and hope. The Messiah had come, and as king, he was entering the holy city of Jerusalem. All would surely be well. Perhaps this is how your life had been going prior to March 2020. Perhaps your life was on a good path. You were accomplishing everything you wanted to do, and things were falling into place. Every sign was pointing in the right direction. And perhaps you too, like the disciples of Jesus, felt that all would be well. Once they enter Jerusalem, Jesus gathers together his disciples to share a Passover meal. And it's at this point, gathered around a meal to celebrate God's deliverance of his people out of bondage through the shedding of blood, that clouds appear on the horizon and the soundtrack turns from a major to a minor key. At this meal, Jesus reveals that one of the apostles will betray him and that Jesus himself will suffer. What's more is that he tells them that they will deny ever knowing him and that Simon Peter, the one upon whom Jesus once said, I will build my church, even Peter, will deny Jesus three times. With all of this in place, let's fast forward to Luke chapter 24. What are the disciples doing? Why are they gathered together in a locked room? As the Gospel of John indicates, they were hiding, hiding away in fear of the Jews. Jesus' disciples are hiding in fear that they will be found out and that they might suffer at the hands of the chief priests and rulers who want to bring an end to the Jesus movement. And so Luke writes these words in verse 36 to 42. While they were talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and terrified and thought that they were seeing a ghost. He said to them, why are you frightened, and why do doubts arise in your heart? Look at my hands and my feet. See that it is I myself. Touch me and see. For a ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see that I have. And when he said this, 
he showed them his hands and his feet. While in their joy they were disbelieving and still wondering, he said to them, Have you anything to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate in their presence. What do you make of this? Hiding away together in an upper room, the disciples are talking, and all of a sudden, the crucified Jesus appears, stands among them, and speaks these words, Peace be with you. Perhaps you also doubt the resurrection, or perhaps you find yourself in this season of loss, isolation, brokenness, overwhelmed, exhausted, and sad. All of this is completely understandable. But listen once again to Jesus' words, peace be with you. You see, these words are spoken not only for Jesus' followers in the first century, they are also spoken over you in the 21st century. As each of us struggle to find our bearings in the midst of this pandemic, as we strive to come to terms with the weight of our inescapable network of mutuality, with all that this means when more than 2.7 million people across the globe have died as a result of COVID, we are all in dire need of peace. The peace that Jesus brings is captured in this truth. Death is no longer the final word. We could ask for no greater comfort and peace than this, that in the midst of sadness, fear, loss, and doubt, Christ stands before us and graciously speaks these words of comfort, peace be with you. With this in place, let's turn to my second point, purpose. Despite the fact that the disciples had been with Jesus for many years and had witnessed his miraculous work, they still needed Jesus to help them understand the full meaning of the Old Testament. Listen to how Luke expresses this point. In verse 44, Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Like Jesus' disciples, learning how to understand God's word is very important. But even when we do, with all of our learning, we should never seek to understand and interpret the Bible on our own terms. Like Jesus' disciples, each of us needs the risen Christ to open our minds to understand the scriptures. If the word peace captures the extraordinary promise that death is not the final word spoken upon humanity, what then does Luke's gospel tell us about the word purpose? To find this answer, we need to read on just a bit more. In verses 46 and 47, Luke writes this. And he said to them, Thus it is written that the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. The word purpose here captures two things. 
Jesus' ministry and yours. So point one, we simply cannot understand Jesus' ministry apart from the journey to the cross as a sacrifice for sin and his victory over death and suffering in the resurrection. For this reason, we speak of Jesus' person and work in terms of the narrative arc of incarnation, crucifixion, resurrection, and ascension. Simply put, Jesus came to suffer, die, and be raised from the dead in victory over death, suffering, sin, and alienation from God. So, point two. If the first sense of purpose has to do with Jesus' sacrifice and resurrection, the second way that we should understand this word has to do with your purpose, life, and calling. If you're wondering about your why, why are you here? Why do you exist? Then look no further than these verses. Thus it is written that the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. God has chosen to involve you in the proclamation of the gospel. This is your why. And not only that, as a global Christian university, this is the why for Trinity Western University. Now, we may do all sorts of things, but one of the most important things we do is to share the joy of the resurrection to proclaim and to enable others to know that the repentance and forgiveness of sins has happened. It's given to us in Christ, and that we are to share in the proclamation of this reality to all nations. It began in Jerusalem. It extended beyond Jerusalem to the Gentile communities. And now we also share in that remarkable calling, and that is our purpose. The final word is the word power. In Luke 48 to 49, we hear these words. You are witnesses of these things, and see I am sending upon you what my Father promised. So stay here in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. Sharing the good news of the death and resurrection of Jesus might be frightening for some of you. Yes, it's immensely helpful to remember that what you're sharing with others is indeed good news, a message of lasting peace, forgiveness, life, renewal, and hope. And yet, Jesus knew that none of us would be able to carry out this ministry of witness or testimony on our own. Instead, Jesus' disciples were told to wait in Jerusalem until they were anointed or granted the power, presence, and blessing of the Holy Spirit. Each of us will need the power and blessing of the Holy Spirit. And one of the truly wonderful things about Christian ministry and witness is that the gift of the Holy Spirit is for everyone, not merely gifted and well-prepared men, but young, old, slaves, free, and yes, very importantly, women. Listen, if you will, to these words from Luke, written in the second chapter of the book of Acts, chapter 2, 
verses 17 to 18. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams, even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my Spirit, and they shall prophesy. To draw things to a close, I began this sermon with this evocative statement by Martin Luther King Jr. This great civil rights leader and pastor declared, in a real sense, all life is interrelated. All men are caught in an inescapable network of mutuality, tied in a single garment of destiny. Whatever affects one directly affects all indirectly. The global pandemic has made this truth so very clear. We live at a cultural moment when so many of our experiences and fears are tied to suffering and illness and death. Our gracious and powerful Lord Jesus Christ experienced suffering and death to the greatest extent possible. He entered into this suffering and death and bore upon himself the brokenness and sins of the world. And now here we are in the season of Easter. And the world is in dire need of the promise of peace, purpose, and the power of the resurrection. We have been given new life in Christ. We've been raised into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. I pray that today, this day, our Lord will meet you at the deepest part of your soul and give you a profound and enduring sense of peace and hope. In this season of Easter, may you experience the blessing and power of the gracious Holy Spirit, and may your joy spill over into the lives of everyone around you, so that others can also experience the call to repentance and forgiveness of sin. Please join me in prayer. Risen Jesus, no one saw it coming, but your march out of the tomb has changed everything. This event leaves us breathless in wonder. Death is conquered, hope lives, love wins, salvation is here. Grant us profound delight as we enter into the joy of the resurrection life and deep devotion as we join your disciples in seeking the blessing and power of the Holy Spirit, we gladly follow your resurrection way. Christ is risen. Hallelujah. Amen. Sisters and brothers in Christ, receive with glad hearts this blessing. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Thanks for listening. 
We hope to worship together with you soon at our next broadcast online at livechapel.twu.ca every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 11 a.m. You can also stay connected with us by following at TWU Chapel and at TWU Student Ministries. Much love. Thank you.